Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. So I want to talk to you just for a little bit of time that we have left, which is fine because it's actually not a really deep or long uh, message. I say that, but I can usually go for a long time on any topic. But this is, this is don't you laugh at that. I hear, I hear your voice. But this is something actually that I mention a lot and we mention a lot but I've never really taught on it. So I don't know that this is going to be as much of a teaching as it is just, just a sharing and exhortation here for a few moments. But let me, let me tell you, my, not my biggest personal fear, but my biggest fear with pastoring a church. Let me tell you my, my single biggest fear for pastoring a church. And you probably couldn't guess it if everybody sat in here and tried to guess it. But this just occurred to me, like, that is something I, and maybe I shouldn't say fear, but my biggest concern is a better way to say it, is that the supernatural people that God has called the church to be, because God is a supernatural God, amen, my biggest concern is that the supernatural people that we are, that we would become natural people. Because I what I have seen and what I grew up with by and large was supernatural people only doing natural things. But God is a supernatural God who has made us a supernatural people that we might do supernatural things. And I have found there are, there are different ingredients involved in the supernatural and in doing great exploits for the Lord. But you know, one ingredient that we mention a lot, but we don't talk about a lot in specific is the anointing. And I want to say something, that the anointing is what makes the difference. And what the enemy wants to do and he has work to do is to rob churches and to rob individuals of the anointing that he has placed in them and on them to do the thing that he's called them to do. The anointing isn't just some phrase that Pentecostals, charismatics, word people throw around because it sounds spiritual. The anointing is a true endowment from heaven to accomplish what heaven has called us to accomplish. And if we're going to do heaven's business, we have to have heaven's power. We can do natural man's business and man's power, but if we're going to do heaven's business, we have to have heaven's power. And so what happens is that when people remove themselves from a place of going before the Lord and having, if I can say it like this, having that fresh outpouring as individuals and as a corporate body, then what happens is that they start to flow over into natural functions just to do something. And then before you know it, you have a group of people that are just like the priests in the Old Testament when the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, the anointing, because he is the anointed one, amen? When it was removed from the tabernacle, it tells us that they were still burning um, on the, the altar of, of the brazen altar on, in the outer courts, they were still burning. They were still doing sacrifices. They were doing the works that looked like the right works to do, but there was no power because the presence of God had been removed from the tabernacle. And I don't ever want to be a people that they could look at us, whoever they would be, could look at us, especially the Lord. You know, Jesus, there is an uprightness before the Lord. I'm not scared of God, but I do fear him greatly. And it tells us that Jesus, in the book of Revelation, that he walks in the midst of the churches and he says, I know your works. 
And that word knowing there is an intimate knowing. It's not like, oh yeah, I heard about them. Jesus is here in the midst of us right now and he consistently walks in the midst of us and he knows our works. And I can tell you now he's really pleased. But where he becomes displeased is when people do things to imitate God, but they deny the power source of, of what they're doing. And actually, the Apostle Paul said, from such people turn away. They hold to a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof, and from such people turn away. And that is my biggest concern, and always on the forefront of my heart and mind, and I haven't really shared that ever, but as I don't ever want to see us offering up the sacrifices, doing the things that we do, and not having God involved with what's going on. And I'm not trying to be critical or harsh of anybody else. I'm not saying that we have it all together, but I am saying that we're on the right track and we're moving forward. And that's the direction that all of the people of God who are commissioned by God with heaven's business, they're, they're called to be in that place where the anointing comes from and the anointing is on what they're doing. The anointing is what makes the difference. The anointing is what breaks the yoke of bondage. The anointing is what sets the captives free. And when you find people that are used to being in the anointing, they're used to being anointed by the anointed one in the anointed place, you'll find people that have great power. And if we ever come away from that place, what we'll do is we'll replace the anointing with programs. We'll replace the anointing with a clock. Come on now. We'll replace the anointing with, with uh, three songs and, and sit up, stand down, give the offering, and then I'll go home. I don't want man's business. I don't want the devil's business. This might throw some of you for a loop, but you know what? You know what and, and I have to be careful because some people don't understand when I say this, but religion, what I call religion, is Satan's plan for the church. Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know what I see, honestly, with the large majority of the churches? They act like hell, much less actually coming against hell. And they live in hell. Why? Because they're operating and they're functioning underneath of man's system, man's ability that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is something I, I'm, I have to be careful how I say this, but basically, basically every person is being anointed by something. Let me try this side over here. Basically, every person, every Christian is being, in the church they're in, they might love God, care for God, glorify God, but they're being anointed by something. And if you're not being anointed by the Holy Ghost and the power of the word, then you're being anointed by man's works, man's ability, inspired by the evil one to get people to a place of doing all of the works, getting the accolades from the people in the community. Let me tell you something. There are people that don't like us. I'm finding that out more and more all the time. I'll hear people say, you know, they said da-da-da-da. And I saw the one person, and they, they asked where we went to church, and I told them, and then they turned their eyes and went like this. Some people don't like us. Some people don't understand us. It doesn't matter. We're just going to love them anyways, Right? Because that's what we do. That's what people that are possessed with the love of God do. They just love people regardless. But what people think about me or think about us has zero bearing on what we're going to do. We're going to stay in the anointed place with the anointed one. And I'm not saying that you have to go and get something from God. 
But what the very least we need to do is stir up what God has already given us. Because if you're not careful, you could get off into weird doctrines and say, God, anoint me, anoint me, anoint me, anoint me. The Bible tells us that we are anointed, that he has anointed one. The anointed one lives on the inside of us. But at the same time, you can't just say, I have something, and then never function and operate in the thing that God has called you to function and operate in. And the way that the anointing works and is drawn out of you to come into manifestation is going into the place with the anointed one where he will teach you how to operate in that. And the purpose of the anointing is not to get a goosebump. I love goosebumps. I love warm feeling. I like it when you feel good. I like coming out of services to where you just feel good. Amen. How many of y'all feel good sometimes when you come out of here because the anointing was flowing? I love that. I value that. But that's not what the anointing is for. The anointing is for you and I as agents of heaven, as ambassadors of heaven, because really our citizenship is in heaven. So as people that come from heaven, the anointing is for us to be empowered to go out and take heaven's kingdom, to take the heavenly things, to take the supernatural things, to take God's ability, to take God's mission, to take God's agenda, and take it into all the world and see the world turn right side up. I believe with everything in me that this is one of the things that is missing in the modern day church. We have replaced, and again, I'm not trying to be hard, but I'm just calling it out like it is. There has been so much happen in the church that's been good, but it's not really been God. And people flock to services where they feel good, they sing the right songs, they give the right messages, they say it just like they want, it's, it's done at a, at a precise amount of time, and they walk out and they really didn't encounter God to empower them with his anointing to do what he's called them to do. The church is not supposed to be, forgive me for stepping on any toes, but it is not supposed to be a middle-class social club. The church is built and designed by God himself, by Jesus himself. He designed it. He gave it, and he gave gifts, and then he gave the Holy Spirit to empower us to do the thing that he's called us to do. The Holy Spirit is not just somebody who's made reference to as being third part of the Godhead. I have news for you. He's the only part of the Godhead that is here with us right now. Now, I did just say that Jesus was walking in our midst, and that's slightly figurative because he actually is seated on the throne. But the point is, is that he's in the midst of us, and he knows our works. He knows what's going on, and he is the head over the church. Amen? But he has given us his Holy Spirit so that we could accomplish what it is that he's called us to accomplish. The, the Holy Spirit is the agent of God. He is the part of the Godhead that is here. And do you know the part of the Godhead that is fought against harder than anything, out, than anything else? It's the Holy Spirit. And you can find church after church after church and people group after people group after people group and all kinds of homes and all kinds of religious people that they'll talk about the Father and they'll talk about the Son and they'll believe in what Jesus did and they'll, they're willing to preach that message. And sometimes they even do preach that message, but they have no unction, they have no power, they have no anointing because they're not in fellowship and communion with the Holy Spirit that God has given to live and dwell and move and have his being and cause us to, to be the effectual change in the earth. It's, it didn't say that he will cause you to go and witness when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It says that you will, be, he, I, you will have power to be my witness. 
It's not supposed to be like we go out and, and I'm not against having programs and doing different things to where we reach people. Those things are great. Those things are good. But we're not supposed to wait Oh, let me tell you something. You're not supposed to wait for the preacher guy or for the evangelist or whoever it is to stir you up to where you go and reach the lost. You're supposed to take what's given and placed in you in the church and wherever else, and you're supposed to stay stirred up because your communion with the Holy Spirit causes you to be the effectual change, and it's changing you to where you just go out, and you can't help but to open up your mouth. You're like Jeremiah to where the, the word of God is shut up like fire in your bones, and when you see somebody in need, you'll give them what they need. When you see somebody that's hurting, you'll help that, that hurting thing. When you see somebody that's broken, you'll bring healing to them. When when you see somebody that's messed up, that's destroyed, you'll do whatever it is. Or somebody that simply just needs to hear God loves you and he has a plan for your life, you'll be that agent of change. And instead of the church saying, oh, let me take you to, to the, the, the building on Sunday morning where the pastor gives a message and we feel something, you'll take the, the feeling, and, and it is a feeling. God's given us emotions. The anointing will touch every single part of you. It is real. It feels good. But instead of you coming in here and wanting people to come in here, you'll go out and you'll be that agent of change to bring in the harvest. To, to where they can be taught, to where they can understand things, to where they can learn how to have fellowship with God. Man, I'm telling you, something has to flip in the body of Christ. And the only thing I know that can do it is the anointing. The anointing is the thing that gives us the unction. There is a, a, a pastor friend of mine, although I haven't talked to him in a long time, but I would call him a friend, in Africa, and his name was Sabo. And I learned something tremendous from Sabo. He said that you have to have expectation to receive manifestation. And I thought, that is really good. But then he said this. He said, you have to have unction to function. And if we're going to function in the function that God's called us to, we have to have an unction from the Holy One. And the only way we can have the unction that we need is to be with the one who can give us the unction. Amen. You know, the anointing is one of the things that's most tangible, most discernible, that people understand what it is. They know when it's not there. But I don't really know how to tell you how to have the anointing other than you have to open up yourself, open up your heart, and receive the impartation that the Lord has from you. See, our, our westernized Christian church, oh, I, I love, please hear my heart, I love the church. Oh, man, I love the church. I seriously love the church but it is very messed up. In love, I say that. And I'm not talking about you guys in particular. I think you're the cream of the crop. But the church as a whole, especially the westernized church, has positioned themselves before the Lord that if they're going to be something, they have to know something. If they're going to accomplish anything, they have to have this wealth of knowledge to be able to do it. You would be surprised at the Bible's, Bible verses that I don't know. <laughs> I know quite a bit, but there's a lot that I don't know. Anointing doesn't follow knowledge. Knowledge follows anointing. See, when they went into the upper room, and actually, if we can pull this, and I'll get back to the upper room, but pull this, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20. Pull that up there real quick. First John 2 and 20, look at this. It says then, that is not it. First John 2 and 20. Is that First John 2 and 20? 
It was verse 20. I want everybody to see this up here. There you go. That's it. It says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. See, smart people, because there are some people that are so smart. All of the Bible scholarly people, I'm not one of them. I I appreciate those people. I honor those people greatly. But you can have all the Bible knowledge in the world and have zero anointing. But you know, I've met some some people that they, they don't know anything. But what they do have is an unction, an anointing, because they've been with the anointed one, and they have everything that it takes to win the lost, to raise the dead, to cleanse the lepers, to bring healing, all of that. How is that possible when they don't know anything? It's because they know him. It's because they've been endowed with power from him. If you go and look on the day of Pentecost, it says when the day of Pentecost had fully come and they were all in one accord in one place and the Holy Spirit fell and there fell on them divided tongues of fire and they all began to to pray in the Spirit. You know that they had never prayed in in tongues before that. But they did. They prayed in tongues. And you know, there was something supernatural that took place. All of the people that were around It says that there were devout men, devout Jews from every nation under the earth because they were there for the Passover or for uh, Pentecost. They were there for that, so they were all there, and they spoke different languages. They were Jews, but they spoke different languages, and the ones that were filled with the Holy Ghost began to pray in tongues, and the people in all of their different languages that they spoke heard with their own physical ears the ones praying in tongues what God was saying in their own language. Now, how was that possible for them to do that? Because they had an unction from the Holy One. They had his ability on them. Not their ability, it was his ability. And here you have Peter, right before, I love Peter, right before Jesus was, was going to be crucified. And, you know, Peter said, I love you, Lord. And Jesus said, you'll deny, you'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. Oh, I'd never deny you. We know the story. I think the last one it was was a, a little girl. Do you know this man? <laughs> no, no, I don't know that man. Complete coward. Had no ability or anything in and of himself. After Pentecost, he was full of the Holy Ghost. He was full of the, the unction. He was full of the anointing. He stood right up in the very midst of the people that put Jesus in the grave, that nailed him to the cross, that put him in the grave, that were responsible for his death, and hated everything about Jesus, he stood right up in the midst of them and preached one of the most powerful messages that's ever been preached in the history of mankind there in Acts chapter 2 and in Acts chapter 3. How was he able to do that? It was the anointing. The anointing makes the difference. The anointing is not about sweat. It's not about going to a service where some guy had a hanky and was waving it around. Sometimes when the anointing hits you, I had a few weeks ago where I was up here and just, man, it was awesome. And I was pouring sweat. That was a result of what was on me and coming out of me. But whether I sweated or not had nothing to do with whether I was anointed or not. It's not about sweat. It's not about holding your tongue just right. It's not about wearing a three-piece suit. Thank God, or I don't think anybody in here would be anointed. (laughs) Praise the Lord. It's not about that kind of stuff. It's about knowing him, being with him, and having his unction be on your life. I'm going to tell you something. Naturally, myself, the biggest fear that I have is to speak in front of people. When I read about Moses, when God called Moses to go and set the children of of Israel free, 
I relate to Moses and all of those same excuses, plus about 40 other ones that weren't in there. I've had those before the Lord about standing in front of people and delivering the word of the Lord. You know what causes me to do it? It's not the power of Kent. Some people go, oh, you just had a lot of practice. You know what I've had a lot of practice doing? Getting alone with God, drawing from his anointing, positioning myself, not trying to figure it all out, and then just releasing what it is that God's given me. I can't, tell you how, I can't tell you how to put a sermon together, but I can preach one. I can release the word of the Lord in any given situation that he's called me to do. There's an anointing on me to be able to do it. And there is an anointing on you to be able to do what God has called you to do. But you have to put a draw on it. Stop being sucked into the devil's thing of trying to have it all figured out. You cannot figure it out. You are not smart enough to figure it out. The smartest people in the world who know all the most Bible verses, the smartest Christians in the world who know the most Bible verses, that are the most scholarly, that know Greek, that know Hebrew, that know Josephus' writing, that know all of that kind of stuff, there are some that are anointed, but there are some that are not. And the ones that are not, they're still not smart enough to figure out how this thing works. God didn't ask us to figure it out. He simply asked us to trust him. Will you put your trust in me? Will you allow me to, to, to flow through you? Will you allow me to use you for my purposes? And if we'll continue to just say, yes, God, yes, whatever you want me to do, the, that's where the place of the anointing comes. That's where the anointing kicks in. That's when the unction to function will start to work in your life. And when you step into something and then you could flounder, I felt like I floundered pastoring for years, but then all of a sudden I just kept sticking with it. And all of a sudden the anointing started to break forth and things started to change and people started to get set free. And my, my biggest problem that I've had is that I've had Kent get in the way too much. If I had stepped out of the way years ago, I'd have had much more and better fruit a lot quicker. We just simply get in the way way too much. And that's people that live in a society where they value knowledge over relationship with him. I heard it said like this. There's a guy named Danny Silk, and he was kind of uh, bringing light to the, to the five-fold ministry. And he was really good, but he was also kind of poking fun, and it was, it was very honoring. There wasn't anything wrong with it. But he was talking about teachers baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Scriptures. And it was funny. I was like, well, that, that kind of is true. And I know that Jesus is the, the Word, right? I know God is the Word. I, I get all that. But the truth is, is that if we sit and we just get taught, and we're 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 taught, and we don't ever jump in the river, we're not going to get in the flow of what God's doing if we won't just let our walls down, understand we don't understand everything, continue to gain understanding because that's very important, but just jump in the river of what God's doing. Just trust him. Just step out. It's no problem. And because we've been baptized in this idea, and for some of you, this is new, you're thinking, um, I don't really feel like I've been after... Listen, if you've lived in America and you've been in American churches and in American church culture, I'm telling you, knowledge is, even if you don't think about it, is at the height of what's most important to you, most likely. And I'm not saying that knowledge and wisdom and understanding is not important. It's extremely important. If you don't have it, then, then people flounder and they, they're not solid and they're not planted correctly and they don't have foundational things. It's all very important. But at some point, we have to stop standing on the riverbanks trying to figure out how the water's flowing and just jump in the water and experience the cleansing, experience the power, experience the refreshing. 
Does this make sense to you? Sometimes I feel like, and I've been there before, I'm standing and watch everybody, all of the boats float by going, how are they doing that? How is that boat staying afloat? How are they able to do that? How are they able to navigate? How, all these questions. But then when you just finally just get in and jump in and quit trying to figure it all out, that's when the power comes. That's when the anointing comes. That's when the lessons are taught. That's when more revelation comes. That's when the knowledge will come to you. That's when God will speak things and reveal things to you. And I'm a teacher. I'm a, just by design, I'm a teacher. So I'm not coming against teachers. I'm not coming against knowledge. But what I am saying is that there has to come to a place to where we are, we are baptized in the Holy Ghost, but we actually function like people who have been baptized in the Holy Ghost. Quit trying to put all the nuts and bolts together and just trust him. You don't get in your car and wonder about all, maybe if you're a mechanic or something, or you, or you work on cars for a living, maybe. But the normal person doesn't get into a car and put the key in the ignition and think about all of the things that are getting ready to happen when they turn that. All the electric things that happen and, and how it ignites with the spark plugs and, and it, it can bust and there's airflow and there's gas and there's a fire that takes place and then that fire produces whatever and then it moves to the transmission and you shift gears and then your wheels turn and you go somewhere. Who in here thought about all of that when they came to church this morning? No, but you got in the car and you came to church anyways. Why? Because it was the thing you needed to get to where you needed to be. And I'm telling you, the anointing is not something you can ever fully comprehend, but it is something that will take you where you need to be. And the anointing comes from being with the anointed one. Let me read this to you in Isaiah chapter 61. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 61. Actually, while you're turning, turning there, I want to pull Isaiah chapter 10 up on the screen. Uh, Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27. I don't think I gave this to them back there, but I want everybody to see this. And then we're going to go back to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27. Anybody getting anything good out of this? Man, I am. If you're not, I'm really getting blessed. This is awesome. Praise God. See, that's not, that's not, some of you go, oh, you just think you're something special. No, the word of God is special. You could speak it out of your own mouth and it will change your life. I'm getting changed right before your eyes. Look at, the, look at this verse here. It said, it shall come to pass. Everybody look at this. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Or the King James just said, because of the anointing. The anointing is what breaks the yoke of bondage. When you're talking about a yoke, it's something that, that gets put around you and we, we yoke oxen, right? And oxen get yoked so they can do the work, and, and there's all kinds of spiritual implications and understandings about this, but when oxen are, are yoked, they're very controlled and they're very bound to just one particular way. So when it's saying that the yoke, the, that the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing, it's saying that when the anointing comes, not all of the knowledge, not all of the understanding, not when you have all of your ducks in a row, not when you're finally living holy enough, not when you sit through enough services, not when you read through the Bible 12 times instead of just 11 times or whatever it is, when the anointing anointing comes, it breaks the yoke of bondage. The thing that you've been striving with, the, the weird thinking, the sin pattern, the whatever issue you might have in your life, it's not you coming to a place to where it's mind over matter and you just overcome that thing. Now, getting proper knowledge will help you, uh, will keep you from going back into it, but what will get you free from it from the beginning is the anointing. The anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. 
And I'm telling you, I'm saying this by the Spirit of God. Some of you have seen yourself here for so long. And it's because you've got that one thing. You've got that one area. You've got the one sin. You've got the whatever it is that's holding you right here. And then the difference from you staying here for the rest of your life and you going here and continuing to go here and higher and higher and higher and higher is the anointing operating, working, manifesting in your life. And the only way you can, you can have that is to get off the shore, get into the boat, get into the river and just go with God and fellowship with God and be with him and just open yourself up. And you say, well, what if something bad comes? What if something great comes? What if what you need is when you just finally lower the the walls of pride, the walls of fear, the walls of rebellion, whatever it might be, you finally lower that down and you see what God can do for your life. God can do for you what you can never do for yourself. We don't have the ability to get out of any troubles, but he is the one that has well equipped us, that is an ever-present help in time of trouble. He has the power, the victory to change the things that need to be changed, to set on the right track the things that are crooked and broken and messed up. That's God. God has that ability. Look here in Isaiah chapter 61. This is the prophecy about Jesus. Mm. Verse 1, and we know this well. But then as I've, as I've read it more lately, I think, God, I don't know that we know this well. It says in verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Hallelujah. Because the Lord has anointed me. And then the next word says to. Everybody say to. To is there to show that there is a purpose for why the anointing is there. Again, it's not about a goosebump or a feeling or an emotion. If I had a dollar for every time I saw on, on Facebook or what, all the different ways that people talk about, this church has got that going on, and this church has got that going on. You know what I really want to hear one day? Isn't so much that the power of God was in manifestation at Overcomers Church International. It was that the people of God were so touched by the Lord when they were there. They are shaking that entire city is being transformed because they were touched with the power of God. And I don't believe that means we run out of here and we just, you know, we just go crazy and get our bullhorns and start yelling at people. That's not going to do anything. That's going to get you arrested at some point, probably. And rightfully so, if you're disturbing the peace, I guess. But that's not the way to do it. The way we do it is we take that drive, that desire. See, the anointing will put a desire and a hunger in you that nothing else can. It, you take that drive and you desire, that desire and you get on your face before the Lord. This is why we created that prayer room and we're still yet unlocking all of the uses for it and how to use it. But just in general, prayer is something to where you take what God has placed in you and you go before him flat faced and say, I humble myself. Now, God, show me how to do the thing that you're asking me to do. Show me how to pray. Show me how to step out. Show me how to lead people. Show me how to love people. Fix the things that, that are in me that need to be fixed, that are broken broken, that are messed up, that are marred, and God, increase the level of anointing that I'm operating in in my life. Oh, I'm telling you, that is, that, that's why we have a prayer room. That's why we've put a focus on prayer, because we, if we ever get a church, let me tell you something, this, this was a concern of mine when I saw the writing on the wall in the spirit down the road about a church doing powerful things that wasn't a, a church of prayer, I saw a church getting into pride. Because when you're a person of prayer, you'll find yourself on your knees. 
Not begging God not to squish you and not to strike you down because we know he's good and he's loving and he's awesome and he's wonderful, but it keeps you in a healthy place going, God, I have to have you to accomplish what you've called me to accomplish. I God, I can't do this on my own. You're putting this vision in me. And so instead of us just running and going, oh, we're going to do this because that's what happens too. And that's a form of pride also. We get a glimpse of what God wants us to do. And it's like, thanks God, got it from here. That's what destroys. That's Ishmael in ministry. I don't want Ishmael in ministry. I want Isaac. I want the blessing. I want promise. And the only way the promise comes to pass, the only way what God has comes to pass, is we have to stay in that secret place with him, drawing from him, drawing from his ability. That's why he doesn't give us A through Z. He gives us A, a little bit of B, and maybe just a smidgen glimpse of C. Just enough to scare us and cause us to get on our knees and say, God, help, I can't do that. And he's like, great. And all along, in the back of his mind, he's going, if you only knew where Z was, you would run the other way and say, get behind me, Satan, because it's just so big. God has got incredible things for us. But if he can't trust us to get on our face and on our knees for part A and part B and part C and however you want to lay all that out, if he can't trust us to do that, he's not going to trust us with the greater. Not only so we won't mess other people up, but so we won't mess ourselves up. Prayer is a place of humility before the Lord. Not going to him as an adversary, but as an advocate saying, God, I need what you have. It's 1157, and I didn't even get past the first verse in Isaiah chapter 61. But it says that because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, this is why he's anointed. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Hallelujah. Who in here has had a broken heart have been healed because of the anointing of God, the power of God, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Oh, oh, the acceptable year of the Lord. This is talking about God's favor. Go and look it up. It's talking about God's favor. And you say, what year is the, the, the favorable year of the Lord? Whatever year you're in, baby. 2019 was my most favorable year ever. You know what 2020 is going to be? My most favorable year ever. And if the Lord tarries 2021, my most favorable year ever. I'm not real. I believe that the Lord will speak to us about things coming up in the, in the future and give us a glimpse of what the next season will look like. But I don't want to relegate it down to like 2020, perfect vision. Like that's fine. If God speaks it to you, that's great. You know, 2020, perfect vision. Man, you guys... You need to come pick it up a little bit here. So that's fine if you, if you do all, all that stuff, but every year is the acceptable, perfect, favorable year of the Lord. We can always be looking for God's goodness. You know that God's anointed us to proclaim the acceptable, favorable year of the Lord. I don't care what 2019, well, I do care because there was tremendous blessing in 2019. I care in that sense. But whatever 2019 held, I care that 2020 is the favorable year of the Lord. And I know some people go, well, we're not on the, the, the American calendar. We're on the Jewish calendar. Whatever calendar you're on, I don't care. Whatever year it is, that's the favorable year of the Lord. And you can proclaim that and declare that because this year is going to be a, a year of health. It's going to be a year of increase. It's going to be a year of blessing. It's going to be a year of everything that you need to get through this year and be better off at the end than where you were at the beginning. That's the kind of year that this is going to be. And this is why God has anointed you to declare and proclaim that this is the favorable year of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at ociperryville.com.